summer jobs. We've been on the series entitled Summer Jobs. Now, what, what is summer jobs? What we are saying is that the hardest job you'll ever work on is on yourself. I'm going to say it again. The hardest job you'll ever work on is on yourself. Why is that the hardest job you ever work on? Because you can get a new job. You can get a new boyfriend. You can get a new bae. You can get anything else, but you can't replace you. So it doesn't make sense to have everything you need to work a job, but do not have all that you need to work on you because you're going to have to develop from the inside out to be ready for the life that you... Oh, get into the message, Marcus. They ready. I believe that we're ready. If everybody, re if everybody's ready, I need to see fire emojis right now. I just need to see fire emojis. If everybody's ready for the word today, I I'm ready to get into it. I don't even need to give a recap. Summer jobs, baby. Let's make it do what it do. We're going to be in Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Thank you to everyone who's tagged someone, who's invited someone. That's good evangelism. Let's let's grow. Let's grow together. Let's grow together. See, we want to get this out to as many people as possible. We feel like God is doing something with us, in us, through us. And the easiest way to put it out there is for you to assist in helping us get the word out. Okay. Philippians chapter four. I feel like teaching. Good God. Stay calm, boy. Stay calm. Stay calm. All right. Philippians chapter number four. I see y'all. I see y'all. I see the comments is lit. Philippians chapter four. Here we go. Let's make it do what it do. Philippians chapter four, verse 15 through 19. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first bought you the good news and traveled from Macedonia. No other church did this. Let me let me let me let me unpack it because I probably won't be able to exegete it in my text. He's saying, listen, wasn't nobody else checking for me. When nobody else was being generous. You're the only ones that was looking out for me out of all the churches in Macedonia. Now, some of you might not be history buffs. What are the churches in Macedonia? What are the churches in Macedonia? Let me back that thing on. What are the churches in Macedonia? Come here. Come here. We're going to learn today. Ephesus or the book of Ephesians there in Macedonia. Philippi is in Macedonia. He is also talking about the church at Coloss. Colossians is in is in, Mace in Macedonia. So out of all the churches from Philippi to from Philippi to Coloss to Ephesus, you know in your Bible, Ephesians, Colossians, all of these books, none of them gave except the church at Philippi. And I'm going to explain why this is powerful. Oh man, this is good already. This is good already. All right, so none of them gave but y'all, but here we go. Here we go. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. Okay, there's another church, Thessalonica, but you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive. Oh my God, are y'all seeing this? I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. I don't say this for me, but I want you to receive a, a reward for your kindness. Here is what Paul is telling them. If you ever understood the power of giving, you will realize that you are not doing me a favor. You're doing yourself a favor <laughs> because you tapped into heaven's ecosystem when you become generous. And when you tap into heaven's ecosystem, you get access to what God has. So I don't say this to you because I want a gift from you. I don't need your money. I don't need what you're trying to give me is what Paul's saying. But you need to give it because it taps into heaven's ecosystem. Let me say it in a better way. When you do it, you're on God's payroll. He owes you something. He's got to pay you something. Oh, teach Paul, verse 18, at the moment I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. 
They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Do y'all hear how he explains their gift like worship? Do y'all hear that? At the moment, I'm good, bro. I got everything I need. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from your boy Epaphroditus. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. That worship is not just the lifting of the hands, but it is when I give of myself and give to others. Oh, we got to end this. We got to land this plane right here. And this same God, huh? Calm down, calm down, calm down. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Pay attention to this, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And this same God, and this same God, what God? And this same God, the same God that blessed them can bless me, that bless you can bless them. Oh, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. How is God going to pay for it? Listen to this. From his glorious riches. Yeah, I feel like teaching. I feel like teaching. And this same God. Oh, Lord. Marcus, calm down. I turn up, turn up. And this same God who takes care of me will take care of you. And he's going to do it according to his glorious riches. Hear that, everybody. Pay attention because that's what I'm going to unpack. I've got to teach using as a subject today. Let me hold something. Let me hold something. I need you to type that in the comments. Let me hold something. Let me hold something. Let me hold something. Let me hold something. That's my, that's my message for the day. Let me hold something. Let's rock. God, look, the glass is off. We ain't even got time. God, I need you to do something. So dope for us. Teach this message through me. Use me as the canvas that you paint. God, you, the problem is never your word. It's the people you choose to use. And today you chose to use me. But give me the ability to express it, to explain it, to with articulation and expression, to help your people understand you better. God, if I do nothing else, help me to say it the way you said it to me. Help me to project it the way you said it to me. I bless your people now. I bind all distractions. Anything that will block, keep, or prevent them from having what they need, I declare, according to Matthew chapter 16, you said whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. So I bind everything that will prevent them from having the blessing attached to this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let, let's make it do what it do. So can I tell, I got to tell y'all something. I got to tell y'all something. I see, I see all y'all saying it. Let me hold something. I got to tell y'all something that's a secret that many of you don't know, but I'm going to go ahead and snitch. Uh, it, many people have overlooked it. Some have never understood it. Some are ignorant to it and some just don't pay attention. But I've got to say this to you. I got to say this to you, my friends. I got to say this to you. God is rich. I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but God is rich. He is 100% rich. And, and where do I get this from? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 tells me that God is rich in mercy and that God paid and purchased our freedom. And I think that most of us, for some reason, grew up in church where we believe that we serve an impoverished God, a God that has the ration, the portion of my blessing to give me what I need. We think that God has to wait until his check clears. He got to wait until the money hits his account to take care of my needs. But I serve a God that ain't got, that does not, I was about to say ain't got. I serve a God that does not have to wait until payday to take care of me. 
that 365, 24-7, my God has always got supply for whatever my life demands. If my life demands that he comforts me, he's got comfort. If my life demands that he cares for me, he cares for me. If my life demands that he gives me peace, he's got peace. If my life demands healing, he's got healing. He don't have to wait to payday. God is rich. I want you to know that he is rich. He is rich. He is rich. He is rich. God is rich. God does not treat Hear this, for somebody that's going through something, I got to encourage you today. God does not treat what I need from him in prayer like the triage list at a hospital. At a hospital, based on the severity of the injury, determines who gets seen first by the doctor. So if I come in with a finger sprain and somebody else come in with a gunshot wound, the gunshot wound goes first. God does not treat my miracles. He does not treat my blessings. He does not treat the answer to my prayer like a triage list. It does not matter the severity. If I'm just having a bad day, if I'm going through anything in my life, or if I just need him to answer something for me, God don't have a triage list in heaven to answer my prayer. He can answer all of us at the same time and this same God. I wish I could stand up and this same God. Who supplies my needs, your needs, all of our, but, but slow, take them back to the beginning, Marcus. And God is rich. Yeah, God is rich. God is rich. Now, what you got to understand about riches, being rich is not about money. Because when you are truly rich, what you want to do with money, come here, come here. Who's not listening? Who, come here, come here. Pay attention to this now. God who is rich. When you are rich, here are the behaviors of the rich. Listen to this. The behavior of the rich is not to hold on to money. It is to take money to then go and purchase assets. I want to invest my riches into an asset that produces for me cash flow. The more money you have, you don't put it in a bank account. You put it into stocks, bonds, real estate, oil. You you start trying to find ways to let your money work for you versus you working for it. Say it again. The richer you are, the more you try to find ways to let your money work for you instead of you working for it. You are looking to get rid of the money to purchase things that produces for you. When I tell you that God is rich, I see some rich behavior because what God does is he begins to invest the richness of what he has into humanity so humanity can produce for him a cash flow. We are God's asset. Yeah, that God who had everything, we are God's asset. The reason he invested into me, the reason he invested into you is because God is rich and he wanted an asset. The asset he has in the earth is your life. Your ability to produce in your life becomes the cash, the residual cash flow of heaven. When he placed you, oh, teach, when he gave you purpose, it was his investment. You're an asset. When he gave you dreams, aspirations, goals, you are his asset. Your life is to produce the cash flow of heaven that whatever you're going to accomplish in your life, it is God's investment. Oh, God. So Ephesians chapter one, verse seven tells me God who is rich. And he said, God who is rich, purchase my freedom. Oh, do you? I, I think that somebody don't know what it costs to purchase freedom. It is, it is expensive to purchase freedom. Why is it so expensive to purchase freedom? Because the person who has me in bondage benefits from my bondage. It, it, God who is rich purchased my freedom, but it wasn't cheap. I was not che- it wasn't cheap to save me. <laughs> it wasn't cheap to keep me. It wasn't cheap to get me. It wasn't cheap to get any of us. 
because the debt of sin was so big. God, who was rich, purchased our freedom. And I need you to hear this clearly. When the person who has you in bondage benefits from you being in bondage, they will not let you go for cheap. When the person who has you in bondage benefits from it, they will not let you go for cheap. Marcus, teach it, teach it. So explain it even more. This is why we fought a civil war in America. Because those who had African-American slaves benefited from free labor. My freedom was expensive. The Civil War was an expensive and bloody mess because the people who had us enslaved benefited. We just celebrated Juneteenth. We understand that we were not free on Independence Day with 1776. We, we don't celebrate Independence Day as African-Americans, but we weren't free. <laughs> we, we were still enslaved in 1776. It wasn't until 1863, but word didn't get into Texas until 1865. For Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, but it wasn't until 1865 that the final people heard. Now, why? Because they benefited from our bondage. I come here to tell somebody who I, I come here to tell somebody that there is somebody who benefits from your ignorance and from your bondage, from you being being in bondage to religion, being in bondage to a relationship that does not meet your needs or serve you at the level of the purpose that God has for you. There are people who benefit from it. So why on planet Earth would they let you go when it when it call? Listen to me. It's expensive to pay for your freedom. So they are not just going to willingly let you go. And I'm telling you that there is some things that you are holding on to and things that are holding on to you that, oh my God, Marcus, Marcus, slow down. Somebody need to hear that. I feel your Holy Spirit. Somebody need to hear that. Why would a person who benefits from, from you being locked up in an area of your life, why would a person who benefits from you being unknowing, why would a person who benefits from your ignorance and your innocence let you go freely? When they benefit from the absence of your confidence, when you're being bound to insecurities, why would I give you, why would I let you free from your insecurities when I benefit from your insecurities? Why would I let you, because if you ever get free and start seeing yourself, big things popping, little things stopping, you would never live at that level anymore. Okay, get out your introduction, boy. Get out your introduction. The people came here to hear the text. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I feel like teaching my word. I, I love my Bible. I feel like teaching my word. But let's let's make it do what it do. Is anybody with me? I need this. I see you, Tiberia. You're the only one raising your voice at me. You know, I like that kind of vibe. I see you, E. I see you, Christian. Charles. Herb, what up, bro? I see y'all. Listen, I need to feel you. Let's make let's keep making it do what it do. So I'm out. I'm out. God who is rich. God who is rich. God who is rich. God who is... I, why am I repeating this? Because I want this drilled into your head. God who is rich. God who is rich. Here's what I need you to know. Anything I need, God's got it. <laughs> Anything I need, God's got it. God who is rich. So listen to this. Let me calm down. Get a sip of water, boy. Get a sip of water. So God who is rich, from a spiritual side, please hear this to my people who, who need to understand biblical context. God who is rich now, what he began to do, he begins to purchase things for us that we freely receive. He paid the bill on some things. He paid for, for my grace. He paid for my salvation. He paid for my peace. He paid for my protection. 
He pays for my heart's desires. He pays for my answered prayers from his richness. God who is rich pays for everything that I need from his richness. Now hear this. Write this down, everybody. Now, in order for a person to pay for something, they have to have a resource. What love is to God, cash and credit is to us. <laughs> what love is to God, cash and credit is to us. When you use cash and when you use credit cards or debit cards, it is the way in which you go in and purchase things that you want. Love is the resource that God purchases everything that we that he wanted to give us. So out of his love, he paid for our grace. He paid for salvation with the death of Jesus Christ. He paid for our peace. What love is to God, cash and credit is to us. So we are watching a God who is rich in love pay for grace, pay for salvation, pay for peace, pay for the release. Do y'all understand the word redemption to redeem means to buy back? Do you understand that the word justification means to exonerate for a crime committed? That when God justified me, he paid for my exoneration through the blood of Jesus. So I'm talking about a rich God. Oh, teach boy, teach, teach boy. I'm talking about a rich God who what love is to him, cash and credit is to me. And I've got a limited amount of cash because there's certain things I want I can't afford. But I got a God who has no limits that he can afford the bill of all of humanity in his richness. God is rich. God is rich. God is rich. God is rich. Oh, okay. Okay. I need somebody to type that one more time. God is rich. God is rich. God is rich. Okay. So, so, so check, check me out right here. Check me out, people. Check me out. Check me out right here. Here's what I need you to do. Check me out. So when we are talking about the starving of this, the starving of selfishness and self-centeredness, when we are talking about us starving our needs and starving this part of us, of hear, hear my wording, self-preservation. The moment I get into self-preservation that I've got to care for me, then I step outside of God's provision. A rich God does not need me to live in self-preservation. A rich God does not need me to live in live in this space of selfishness or self-centeredness. A rich God needs me to have the understanding that whatever I need from him, he's got the resources to pay for it. So I'm saying to you, self-preservation, it is man's attempt to pay its own bill. <sighs> boy, you boy, 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 boy. Self-preservation is man attempting to pay its own bill. I told you last week, no person's hand is long enough to reach all of their own needs. You're always going to need other people and you're always going to need God. That your arm might be long enough to reach your financial needs, but you cannot reach your emotional needs. Your arm might be long enough to reach your emotional needs, but you cannot always meet your own spiritual needs. Your arm might be long enough to meet your spiritual needs, but what about your practical needs? Okay, let's talk even more. Every grown folks, grown folks, 21 and older, married. Okay, here we go. Your hand might be long enough to meet your financial needs, your occupational needs, but your hand ain't long enough to meet your sexual needs. You need somebody. I'm here to tell somebody that nobody's hand is long enough to reach all of your needs. So what God does is 
when he moves us out of self-preservation, me trying to pay my own bill, I relinquish my selfishness and my self-centeredness to care for the needs of someone else in a relationship. And by meeting their need, they meet mine. In a relationship, every person will not provide the, the, the ability to meet every the same needs. But by me meeting yours and you meeting mine, we become complete. Here is what I refer to as God's ecosystem. God, help me. Help me to teach your word. Help me to teach it like you gave it to me. God's ecosystem. Now, God's ecosystem moves in a very succinct way. God's ecosystem moves in a very succinct way. Here's how God's ecosystem works. It moves in a succinct way. God's ecosystem moves like this. It, it happens where God's got it, God's got me, but the way that God is going to give it to me is by this mutuality between all of us working together to meet one another's needs. When I'm doing that, I'm in the ecosystem of heaven. When I am not doing that, I'm not in heaven's ecosystem. As long as I am thinking self-preservation, as long as I am thinking that I've got to care for me, then I step outside of God's ecosystem and I start living according to my own ecosystem. And there is not enough flowing in and out for me to take care of myself. Okay, Marcus, that's too much theory. Go practical. Okay, boom. Check, check me out right here. Check me out. Okay, so every person has been a friend or dated somebody that's extremely selfish. And it is in that selfishness that you find yourself reserving what you'll give because you start paying attention to, man, I always pay. Man, why is it that I always do this? Did, did they say thank you? You start, you're a giving person, but you find yourself withdrawing because the person has took from the ecosystem, but has not given to it. So although you're naturally generous, they force you to overthink what you would freely give. What I'm saying to you is the nature of God is this freedom because I know I got a rich God and I know that I'm tapped into the ecosystem where God is flowing things in and through my life. So whatever I need, God will let me hold it, a.k.a. manager, steward it, because he knows if he can get it to me and from me, he'll keep giving it to me. So it comes to me, to other people, and back into my life. It is a cycle. It is a cycle. It is a cycle. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 20 more minutes and I'm out of here. I'm at 21 minutes and some change. All right. Boom. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, so... Who loves their Bible? <laughs> Who loves their Bible? Mm. Who that water's tasty? Who loves their Bible? Go ahead and drop it in the comments if you love your Bible. Here's what I'm on. Because, I'm, because I am a pastor, it is important for me to not just give you, to not just give you um, encouraging concepts, but to broaden your understanding of Scripture to be able to teach you something. So here's where you write notes. Here's the calm part. Here's the calm part. I don't want my 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 alto to overwhelm my info. I got that from my from my brother James Edwards. So I don't want to be so loud and boisterous that I am not and exciting that I don't teach you. So let's go. I see a few of you say you love your Bible. So let's do this. When we get into when we get into, please hear this. When we get into Philippians chapter 4, it is important that you understand the context so you can respect the content. It is important that you understand culturally what was happening in that time at the moment that Paul is writing. Please hear me. Do not zone out right now. Come here. Come here. Don't zone out right now. Come here. So it is important that you understand Paul is writing. This is one of the prison epistles. Oh, I feel like preaching. Let, let, me, back, let me back my chair up. 
This is one of the prison epistles. You understand that when he is in Philippi, when he's writing the book of Philippians as a prison epistle, you must understand that there are multiple prison epistles that he writes, that he is locked up. He, he writes Ephesians, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible from prison. Paul is in prison when he is writing to, to the church at Philippi. When he met them, he was free. He was released. He was working with them. He birthed a church with Lydia and countless other people. You can find this in the book of Acts. The book of Acts explains to us, because the Bible in the New Testament, it is not written in chronological order. It is written in, in practical order. It explains concepts. It is not about the timeline. So the book of Acts you watch the unfolding of what you later read with the book of Philippians and Ephesians and several of the other books. So they're not in chronological order. So I need you to understand that Paul is now in prison. He is in prison because he's wrongly accused because he lives in a system that will arrest an innocent man simply because you, you do not look like, sound like what we believe in. Say it again, boy. They, they peep in the parallel. Paul is arrested by an unjust system that arrests him simply because he believes, in a, he believes in a man by the name of Jesus. And it is at that belief that has him arrested. He does nothing wrong. He is an innocent man that is in prison. Now, here's what you got to understand that sets the precedence of the text. Oh, I feel like teaching. What sets the precedence of the text that makes it so beautiful when you read it, it is that Paul is in prison writing an encouraging message to a free people. Oh, Lord. And I want you to see that Paul's need. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Please listen to me. Paul's need is emotional. He is in prison. He can no longer have the interaction of the church. So he has an emotional need that he needs met and a financial need he needs met because he cannot provide for himself. Here's what, what the tension of the text is. The church at Philippi are poor. If you ever read the, his, the research of this place in Philippi, oh, am I boring you? Am I boring you with, all, with this context and this history? Am I boring you? Come here. Are you getting bored? Come here. So I need you to understand Philippi. Let's talk about the geography of the city. Philippi is a city that it is placed in between where traffic would run through to transport resources and goods. So traffic flows through Philippi, but it is a poor city. So wealth flows through it, but none is within it. The church at Philippi was one of the poorer cities. It is one of the poorer cities. Where do we find this? Write this down. First Corinthians chapter number eight. Paul describes to them that, that when he was collecting an offering, for those that were in Macedonia, the church in Philippi gave when they did not even have. They are a poor church and a poor people. So they didn't give to Paul because they was balling. They didn't give to Paul because they had it. They gave out of sacrifice. They are trying to meet the needs of Paul because Paul met their spiritual needs. They are now trying to meet Paul's emotional and Paul's financial needs. Oh, are we seeing the needs come together? Oh, Marcus, teach this thing. The knees are coming together. The knees are coming together. I told you earlier in my introduction how the ecosystem works that needs meet each other and no hand is long enough to reach all of your needs. When Paul meets them, he didn't know he would be in prison. He never knew he would need them to meet his financial needs or his emotional needs. Paul met their needs just because he wanted to. Now that Paul is in a dilemma, he has invested into their life spiritually to grow them. And now they are invested in his life. Oh, I need somebody to hear this. 
I need somebody to hear this. So now we are seeing a poor church rally together in service and sacrifice to give to Paul. Oh my God, who was in prison. We are seeing the selfish selflessness of the church at Philippi. And we saw the selflessness of Paul both coming together. And it is at this place that we read Philippians chapter four. Oh, Marcus, you taught that thing. Huh? Oh, let's talk now. Let's talk now. So, so let's talk now. Here, here's what I want to do. All I want to do for the rest of my time I got, I want to unpack for you five ways God meets my needs. Five ways God meets my needs. I, I spent way too long on that part. Now, Alexis, this is for you. I tried to organize my thoughts a little better to make sure that it's systematic. This is this is just for you, Alexis. I took your feedback. This is just this is just for you. Shout out to you, Alexis. All right. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Five, write this down. Five ways God meets my need. Oh, I'm gonna try my best to go through this. Five ways that God meets my need. Okay, so how does God meet my need? Five ways. The number one way God meets my need is by number one birthing the desire, birthing the desire, birthing the desire. Appreciate you, Charles, writing that down. Birthing the desire, five ways God meets my needs. Number one, by birthing the desire. Now, whew, let's go slow. I don't really need this, but you know, when you was growing up old school in church, they always had a, a rag or a towel because they were sweating real bad. But I don't, I don't really perspire like that. But I just felt like it was dope to when you was in the podium there. <sighs> Y'all don't hit me and they wipe their neck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, back to it. Five ways God meets my need. Number one is by birthing a desire. Birthing a desire. So what does that look like in the birthing of a desire? He has first got to get me to divorce the life I'm settling for. He's got to get me to divorce that thing in my heart that I have grown accustomed to living without my greatest need. I have grown accustomed to this is the life that I live. I've got nothing to complain about. It is not what God wants for me. It is not the fulfillment of the fullness of my needs, but I'm okay. He has got to make me to a point that I want it. He's got to make it to where it is not something that It'll be nice to have. He's got to place a burden so deep in my heart that I'm affected by if I don't get it. He's got to, he's got to birth, birth the desire so strong that it alters my life to such a degree that I divorce what I pictured as success or pictured as happy. I divorce that feeling, that emotion, and a new desire is, is started. Because what has to happen with this new desire, let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you this way. Could you imagine now? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. When God is going to birth a desire, it does not happen simultaneously. I feel like teaching now. It don't happen simultaneously. He might birth a desire in me at five years old because he knows that my need at 18 is to play. Let's say he birthed a desire to, to play basketball at five because he knows that I'm going to go to the NBA at 19. He, the desire can't start at 18, when the opportunity is presented, the desire has to start at a young age. So long before the opportunity is presented, the desire has already been birthed. Abraham has got to want a child before God can give him the child. The birthing of the desire for the child precedes God meeting the need of the child. David, I need you to learn how to sling, a, how, to, how to do a slingshot and prepare a harp long before I anoint you as king. 
I'm a birth the desire early in your life to develop a skill set of playing a harp sling and a slingshot. Why? Because you'll need it later in life. And I can't provide the need if you don't have skill and no desire towards it. So God meets my need by first birthing a desire in me, making me want it, making me divorce what I settled for, making me to a point. Come here. Come here. He has got to he's got to be Beyonce. Come here, girl. You have got to at four and five be in the mirror singing. You got to be walking around the house, see yourself on stages long before I meet the need and make you a worldwide sensation. I'm telling somebody that the birthing of the desire is the beginning stages of the meeting of your needs, that the desire precedes the need being met. Oh my God, that it happens at an early age and the process of that desire that you start just wanting it, going after it, your emotions are changed. You divorce your old feelings and a new desire is there. That desire is not your own. That desire is God's. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When he says give you the desire, it is not you had the desire already. God placed the desire in you. Let me word it a different way. You want what you want because because God wants you to want it. <laughs> Say it again, Marcus. You want what you want because God wanted you to want it. So he now gave you that desire and it is not your desire. It is his. And the birthing of a desire, you then start making movement towards it. Before he's going to meet the need of the marriage, he got to first make you desire marriage. <laughs> oh, my God. Before he's, oh, I want to get married this year. The birthing of the desire before the meeting of a need. Let me say it that way. If you're writing notes, here's the note to take. Here's the quotable. Here's the quotable. The birthing of the desire comes before the meeting of a need. The birthing of a desire comes before the meeting of a need. All right. So that's the first way he meets my need, that he has got to birth a desire. Now, when he births a desire, I want you to hear, I want you to hear this. The desire has to be so strong. I don't know. Who, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Is, who, am I, who am I teaching to? Who am I talking to right now? Who am I talking to? Good God. Who am I talking to? When he births a desire in me, it is in this desire that he has to now, when he births a desire, here's what else he has to do. It has to matter to me. The, des the desire is not fully developed until it matters if you fail. When I hear a person say, well, I mean, no big deal. I mean, if it happens or don't happen, I'll be okay. The desire, ain't full desire is not fully developed. It has to matter if you fail. It has to matter if it doesn't work. It has to matter if you don't win. It has to matter if you don't succeed. It has to matter if you don't get the opportunity. It has to matter if it never happens for you. If you are still apathetic, that whether it does, I mean, I could, I could if it happens, if it don't, no. In the birthing of the desire with the epic nation, it started with a desire. Then it was, okay, I'm going to try it out. Now, if it fails, it matters to me. It affects my mood. It alters my behavior. It alters how I feel because it matters so deeply because the desire is so deep. He only can meet my need when the desire is strong enough that it matters to me. Oh, my God. Your desire ain't fully grown unless it matters. Does it matter to you that somebody gets saved? Does it matter to you that God is glorified by your life? Does it matter to you that you that you fulfill your dream or live out your purpose? That you birth your business? Does it matter yet? Until it fully matters, 
the desire is not fully grown. Okay, okay. Give them some more markers and then get them out of here. Uh, the number two thing. Here's this number two thing. Number two thing. Five ways. Whoo, ooh, ooh, Herbert. Jeez, that's a quote there. I got to steal that. Hold, let, me, let me say it like I said it. Hold on. This is Herbert's, but let's steal it, guys. A deep desire produces deep efforts. Whew. That was nasty. Mm. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Number two, way that he meets my need. Write this down. Five ways God meets my need. Number one, the birthing of a desire. And I told you that, the birthing of a desire. The number two thing now, remember, come here. Number two thing, y'all going to love this. Oh, my God. Number two thing is he introduces me to need meters. Need meters. Need meters. Number two, need meters. Need meters. Write it down. Need meters. He introduced me to need meters. This is a num the number two way that he provides my needs. He introduces me to need meters. Now, underneath need meters, I want you, I want you to understand how this is broken out, these need meters. You have two types of need meters. You have need meters that are aware, and you have need meters that are unaware. You've got need meters that are aware and need meters that are unaware. But I'm going to deal with the aware first. This is a select group of people that are a, an aware need meter. This is how God provides for me. He introduces me to need meters. Now, the need meter that is aware is a person who your heart's desire is to give. Like all you think about, you get so much joy and pleasure. Ain't nobody got to prompt you, pry you. If you got it, they got it. Hey, y'all hungry? Come here. Get some of these. Hey, you want some of this? You always looking for a way to give something away. See, when I'm talking about the aware need meter, they are cognizant of other people's need and looks for a way to do it. Everybody is not an aware need meter. You got to be honest with yourself. I like to believe that I'm an aware need meter. I like to believe it. I get joy out of giving. I get joy out of seeing the person's expression. I can truly say that I've tapped into the revelation that it is better to give than to receive. Because that satisfaction of giving, I realize that it opens up so much for me. The aware need meter is a person who I'm talking about, they get excited about giving. They, they, they find joy. Like, they will overlook their own needs for the needs of someone else. It's like, no, no, I'm okay. Go ahead. No, no, no. Like, I find myself struggling to buy things for myself, but I will freely buy for somebody else. I'm an aware need meter. But what are you? Are you an aware need meter? Now, don't feel bad if you're not. But I would say some of us are not aware need meters. We don't get joy out of giving. We get joy out of receiving. It's okay. God, let Jesus work on your heart. Okay? <laughs> An aware need meter. An aware need meter. And then the next one now is a unaware need meter. An unaware need meter. What is an unaware need meter? Oh, oh. Here, I'm going to tell it to you like he gave it to me. Here is one of the most beautiful ways God meets my need through this unaware need meter. Here's what he does. You now... Check this out. You might go and, and cut articles of the car that you want. You're like, oh my God, that's my, that's my car. So you put it on your vision board. So you cut out articles, you put it up there, you're looking at it. Every day you're looking at it, you're praying for it. It's your heart's desire for you to have that vehicle. So all you're thinking about is one day I'm going to get this. That's the need that you want. You want the car, you want the house. What God does in this space of introducing us to unaware need meters at the time of you getting the articles, putting it on your vision board, writing out the things you want in life, he simultaneously begins to move on the heart of a person unaware and they get tired of the thing that you're praying for so they'll release it. 
So you're praying, man, I want, I want such and such car. I want it with less than a thousand miles. The person buys the car, only drives it a thousand miles and say, mm, I don't really like this car. Yeah, I think I'm going to get rid of this car. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and yeah, I'm going I'm to get rid of this car. I'm going to go ahead and uh, get something else. You don't understand for the life of you, why would a person buy a vehicle, get tired of it, and give it away with a thousand miles? Because they are unaware that they are meeting your need. <laughs> yeah, they, they bought the house, built it from scratch. You in your mind said, oh, I want a house that has an open floor plan where when you walk through the front door, it has this. It got spiral steps. Somebody else designed the house for them to live in it. But they ended up saying, hey, babe, why don't we get rid of this house and, and move from South Florida into into uh, Charlotte. Let's go, let's live in the mountains. Now, at the same time, I'm in Florida saying, man, I would love a house by the beach or blah, 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 blah. That person don't realize that they are unaware that they are meeting my need. <laughs> by them moving, I get access to the thing I'm praying for. Certain times, God uses people unawareness. Oh, my God, that you don't realize. Okay, come here. Come here to my single people. I'm single, too. Right now, God is moving on somebody's heart to get rid of. Okay, that's going to sound rough. That's going to sound rough. None of us are on our own. None of us are dating for the first time, which means somebody's somebody got rid of someone that you were praying for. So by them saying, I just don't want to be in a relationship no more. They opened up unaware the need of them to get rid of the girl or the guy for you to have access to her. Oh my God, they don't realize that they were an unaware need meter. <laughs> Thank you for breaking up with them. You are an unaware need meter. Thank you. Thank you for taking advantage of you. Are, you don't realize that somebody right now, you're going through a situation that they don't realize that their lack of understanding the value of you made them an unaware need meter because you somebody's wife. They had you as a girlfriend, but, you, but somebody was praying for a wife. They had you as a sugar daddy or a boyfriend, but some woman was praying for a husband. When that person unawarely puts you in that category, somebody else is praying for, God meets their need by letting a person who is unaware release it. That person releases it. That person releases it and it becomes the need. It meets the need of someone else. Okay, I got to I got to move. I got to move. An unaware need meter. Did you? An unaware need meter. An unaware need meter. I can't teach it no better than that. An unaware need meter. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to give you these three pretty fast. The next three, I'm going to give you fast so I can let you go. God, I think. Oh, I got to pause right there. I felt. God, I thank you for need meters. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for need meters. I got a pause that a rich God is paying for what I need with need meters. God, I thank you for my need meters. Oh, I need somebody to pray that with me. God, I thank you for need meters. Oh, I thank you. Somebody right now is releasing the thing I'm praying for. The price is going down. The person is being released. The place is being released. The opportunity is being released. God, I thank you for deed meters. That whatever they're praying for, you're releasing it now in Jesus' name. You're releasing it now in Jesus. Somebody is unaware that they just let go of my blessing. Somebody is unaware that they just release what I need. Whew, I thank you for need meters. Somebody don't realize they decided to move. Oh, somebody who's praying for a job. Somebody right now is making the decision to relocate and it opens up a position in a company that you've been wanting to work at. They're an unaware need meter. They decide, hey, me and my wife want to move away. In their moving, it opened a position in the job that you've been praying for. They were an unaware need meter. 
They were an unaware need meter. Oh, Lord. There's a, I'm telling you, if you ever understood God's provisions in your life and his ability to meet your need. Oh, my God. Okay. 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 <sighs> go, Marcus. Yep, I'm going to let y'all choose. Should I give y'all the next three or just go ahead and end right here? Should I just land the plane right here? Or should I give y'all these next three? Oh, unaware need meters. I got I got three more to give you. I got three more to give you. Okay, let me let me go ahead and give it to you. Let me give you these three more. Let me give you these three more. Now the next three ways that God. Now we on five ways God meets my need. The number one I told, the, uh, number one way He meets my need. Number one way He meets my need is in the birthing of a desire. In the birthing of a desire. That's the number one way. In the birthing of a desire. The number two way I told you is introducing me to need meters. Now I want to talk about the three different types of answers. He's meeting my need through an, through certain answers. Let's talk about it now. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Ways he meets my need. Okay, let's talk about it. Write this down, everybody. Right, And if you can drop this in the comments, write this down. Write this down. You can write it in the comments. Okay? You can write it in the comments. You can write it in the comments. Here we go. Write this down. Okay. Here's how he does it. He, God's, I want to explain something to you. God's no. God's N-O. God's no. Not God's K-N-O-W. God's no. God's N-O. No. You can't have it. God's no. When I was praying about this message, there is someone on here that specifically, this message is for you. This that I'm, I am about to say is specifically, I know without a shadow of a doubt, is for someone who's on here right now. You, you've never understood God's no, so I want to try to explain it to you to the best of my ability. So, number one, God's no. God's no. That's number three. God's no. That's how he meets my need. How does he meet my need by saying no? Please hear this. God, whoever it is, please let them hear it, Lord. He meets my need through his no because certain times he's got to block the opportunities that I don't know. That I, Put it this way. I could be so attached to an emotion and to settling that what I think is good is beneath the actual answer to my prayer. Like I don't even recognize the answer. Like you, you could live at a level so long that anything that comes near you, you don't have the discipline to say, no, you're used to settling. When somebody is used to never having all of their needs met at the first sign of something that resembles what they want. I mean, they're okay. I mean, they, I mean, it's cool. They don't do all of that, but who's perfect when God might be trying to meet your complete need. You might settle for only a portion of it based on what you had to endure before because you have not completely divorced settling. He has to completely block the opportunity to not give you a chance to say yes to something that is not the fulfillment of your complete need. You can go so long in bad relationships that you're used to never having all of your needs met. So, so you, well, I mean, nobody's perfect. You could go so long in spirituality that you're used to a church not meeting all your needs. So certain times he's got to completely block the opportunity because you're so vulnerable at the time. You'll say yes to something that is not completely the fulfillment of your needs. When you are not ready, oh my God, when you're not completely ready, God's no is to block you from, from reducing yourself or for settling for what is not the fullness of your need being met. So he's got to just say no and block it. Why? 
Here's the next part, because he's got to sanitize my heart. He's got to sanitize my heart. My heart has to be sanitized, clean from settling, from putting up with anything, from living at a level beneath me. He's got to now sanitize my heart to a place that here is the big part. Why does God tell me no? Oh, help me. God, help me to teach it like you told me to teach it. Oh, somebody holler back at your boy and say, teach me something. Oh, say, teach me something. Since you asked for it, I got to give it to you. Here we go. When God says no, when God says no, what we are looking at then in the process of him saying no, in the process of him saying no, he has to sanitize my heart by balancing this fight that happens that we don't realize we're in a boxing match between my wants and God's needs. It is not my need at all. It is God's need because the need starts with the birthing of a desire. Remember that. So what happens is it is this fight in me between what I want and what God needs. And as long as my wants are in front of God's needs, he's got to block my opportunities. He's got to say no to me because I've got a want. God's got a need. Until my heart is sanitized, I don't know the difference between my wants and God's needs. So it is in his no that he sanitizes the places of my heart that I now can move my wants out of the way and put God's needs in the way. Say it again. He sanitizes my heart. So now I am no longer fighting against the answer to my very prayer. I want to talk to somebody who you don't realize that every time you're praying, you and God, God, no, I ain't going to do that example. I ain't going to do that example. It might hit too close to home. I was about to do an example. It might hit too close to home. But you don't realize sometimes, sometimes some of the things you go through is the answer to your prayer. It like it 100% is the answer to your prayer. I, rem I remember being in a relationship and every time I prayed for, for the, the characteristics of my wife, me and the girl I was dating would be at odds. I think that in essence, I was pushing away the wrong person thinking she was the right person. So I'm praying, God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for this relationship and what we're going to be. I didn't realize she wasn't the one. <laughs> So what he was doing was it was my want, but his need, but but his need fighting each other. So I didn't realize with every prayer I pushed her further away because God was answering it, but it didn't look like what I thought. Okay, move, Marcus. You're gonna hurt somebody's feelings. Okay, so now the fourth way, fourth way, fourth way, fourth way, fourth way. God, the fourth way, fourth way. God, God, God meets my needs or provides my need. Fourth way, God meets my need or provides my need. It is through God's not yet. First, the third one I told you is through God's no. The fourth one is through God's not yet. Through God's not yet. What is God's not yet? I got to wrap this up literally in 10 minutes. All right. Through God's not yet. It is in, it is in his not yet that he is doing two things. I told you all about the life pyramid or the life flow that is supposed to God's so God's resources flows from my being into my doing into my having. So if it is going to flow from my being into my doing into my having, not yet is the process where God is still flowing into my being. He don't want me to go into doing into having where we're praying for things, but things, things don't happen first. So it is in our not yet. Please hear this. It is in our not yet that God is working on two things. He is trying to make sure that you understand that the promises of God 
and the answer to your prayers are not time sensitive, but character sensitive. In the process of not yet, it is in the development of your character, your being, the process of you becoming what God wants you to become. So it is character sensitive. You keep saying, well, it's been three months or it's been two months. God has been a year. So everything with God is not hinged upon a time. It is hinged upon a person. So when it is hinged upon a person, it is character sensitive. Have I become and developed the type of characteristics with a sanitized heart that can receive the answer to, to my prayers? It, it is in this process that I, I linger and not yet until I can come to a place that the character of my life matches the appointed time of God's promises. This is hard for somebody where you really, the character of my life got to match the promises that I could be praying for something that I don't have character, that I don't have discipline to match. If he gives it to me now, he'll lose me forever. He'll rob someone else of the best me. It will embarrass me. Please understand this, that God knows your ignorance and your brilliance. And if he places you in a place too soon, your ignorance will show instead of your brilliance. You might be gifted enough to do something, talented enough to do something. But if he moves you too soon, you will embarrass yourself because what will show will be your ignorance and not your brilliance. God knows just the right place, just the right people and just the right time. And it is when he develops you, he then introduces you into a space that the room welcomes you, the opportunity welcomes you, the moment welcomes you because he has developed you and you're not yet. I, I think I think they're getting it. I think they're getting it. I think they're getting it. Not yet. Characters, not yet. Not yet. And we'll end with this. We'll end with this. We'll end with this. Number five. I'm going to unpack this more on Wednesday. I can't even do it the way I want to do it. I'm, I'm, I wanted to be 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm already like way longer than I wanted to be. Okay. So I'll, I'll finish this up on, on Wednesday, Wednesday night. Number five way God meets my need is through his yes. Ah, it's through his yes. Yeah. I told you about his no. I told you about his not yet. Now I got to talk to you about his yes. When God issues to me his yes, he begins to Hear my wording, everybody. Collapse the gap. Oh. He begins to collapse the gap. Somebody say it with me. Collapse the gap. He begins to collapse the gap. Oh, God help me. God help me. God help me say this the way I need to. He begin. It is in his yes that he collapsed the gap. I'll write it in the comments. Collapse the gap. Collapse the gap. Collapse the gap. When I say collapse. When I say he collapsed the gap, it is the gap between what I pray for and the answer to that prayer is shortened. In God's yes, the gap has been collapsed that now there is no longer a delay between what I'm asking him for and what I receive. That I no longer have to, while I'm praying, it's already on the way. Oh my God, that by the time I get there, I don't have time to pray. He's already sent it. I want to talk to somebody who's not living in God's no. God's already birthed a desire in you. He has already sent for you a need meter. You have already endured your season of no and endured your season of not yet. Some of you on here are living in your yes. Where God begins to collapse the gap that there is no longer a gap or a delay or pause between what I'm asking them for and the need being met. 
the gap has been collapsed in your life that now while you're opening your why, before you could think it, he's already said it. You're like, God, I ain't even asked for this. Yeah, but you were about to. I want to talk to somebody who God is collapsing the gap in your life. Did you look up now and you say, man, I, I, I remember praying for this as a child of God. I, I forgot all about that. The gap has been collapsed when you're living in that. Yes, it is not about now your prayers. It is about you living out the discipline. You've endured the process. You've gone through all the things you need to go through. He grew you up. He developed you. He pruned you. He fashioned you. He framed you. And a rich God made a, oh, God, collapse the gap, 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 collapse the gap. There is no longer a gap between what I'm believing for and what God gives me. There is no longer a gap between when I start it and when I finish it. The gap has been collapsed between eternity and time. That what God, the richness of God in eternity has been sent to my life and time. He has collapsed the gap in my life. I'm talking to somebody that God has collapsed the gap. There is no longer a gap between eternity and time. I love how John chapter four said the time is coming now is. The time is coming now is. That, that heaven and earth collapse together. That now what God is doing in heaven and what you're receiving in the earth are, are simultaneous. I'm talking about expedited delivery. I'm talking about expedited delivery, acceleration and answered prayers. I'm talking about the acceleration of God that hits your life. That now, while you're still speaking, God's already done it. I'm talking to somebody who realized that it don't take forever. Man, by 2021, why you, why you got to wait to 2021? It's got to happen this year. It's got to happen this year. It's got to happen this year. Oh, collapse the gap. Collapse the gap. Collapse the gap. God, I thank you for collapsing. I, I can't teach no more. I can't, I can't teach no more. I can't teach no more. So I told you about the five ways God meets my need. <laughs> I explained to you all of these things. And it would say, it would mean to me, like I'm, I'm tripping on something though. It just hit me. If God created, oh God, help me say, it just hit me. I've taught a whole message about how God meets your needs. It just hit my head that I'm made in the image of God, that God gave me his spirit and whatever God makes, he has to provide for. So my spiritual needs are not my responsibility because I didn't make myself spiritual. God made it, so God got to pay for it. So my spiritual needs are God, God's needs. Got it? God made me with a soul. So my emotional needs are God's needs. Hmm. God made me with have to pay for the domain I live in. So my financial needs are not my responsibility because if God allowed me to be born, it's his need, not mine. How I'm going to take care of myself, it's not for me to figure out. It's for him to figure out. I'm tripping. This whole time, I thought God was providing my need, but it was never my need. It's always been his. Uh-oh. God made you sexual. He made you emotional. He made you have physical needs, mental needs, emotional needs. So he has got to now find a way to provide the need because the need was his all along. Why would he wire you and make you in a way that you would need things and not provide it for you. <laughs> so they were never my needs. So now I'm start, it, ain't, it ain't even my need. <laughs> it's not even mine. 
It's not even mine. It's his. So he is providing for himself. The picture that you ought to have in your head is what Abraham said when he was on the mountain. The Lord will provide. (laughs) How did Abraham know that God will provide? Because it was his need. Go sacrifice your son. But God, if I'm going to sacrifice it, how are you going to meet the need? It's mine, so I'm going to pay for it. (laughs) He's rich. (laughs) He's going to pay for my need. Oh, I got to end right here. So I want everybody. Let us end with this thought. I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray this prayer. God, I want your needs. (laughs) God, all I want is your needs. I want you to pray this prayer with me. God, I want your needs. Every need that is of God, I want it. God, I want your needs. God, I want your needs. Say it with me. God, I want your needs. God, I want your needs. Oh my God, I want your needs. All your needs, I want them. Every one of them that you, whatever you assign with Marcus name on it, the Epic Nation and every person that is committed attached to the Epic Nation, God, we want your needs. We want the needs that you determined and designed for us. God, we want your needs. (laughs) God, we want your needs. Oh yeah, God, I want your needs. God, I want your needs. God, I want your needs. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. All my needs are met. All my debts are canceled. And the windows of heaven are open over my life starting now. All my needs are met. All my debts are canceled. And the windows of heaven are open over our lives starting right now. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Let me just say this one last thing to you, everybody. Why would I title this message, Let Me Hold Something? Because I want you to understand this one thing. When you are truly in service to God, you don't own anything, you manage it. So how could you ever be stingy with what belongs to God? A God who is rich has everything and he gives it to us. Why would I ever be stingy? So anything in my life, I'm saying, God, let me hold something that I can manage in the earth. Give it to whoever I need to do to be a part of heaven's ecosystem. So my life is never without. That's why I called it, let me hold something. Because I realize I don't own it. God does. God does. I don't own it. God does. So God, let me hold something. So I, so I can show you that you can trust me. So I can give it into heaven's ecosystem and never run out. God, I want your needs. I, I'm done, everybody. I love y'all so much. Thank you for being a part today. I want to give, op- give you two opportunities right now. I want to give you two opportunities. I want to simultaneously, I want to give you the opportunity to give and the opportunity to make this your church home. Simultaneously, we're going to be ambidextrous with this. I want to give you the opportunity to give and the opportunity to make this your church home. You can do both at the same time. There are, there are multiple ways to give. You can give via cash app or you can give via the text to give number. You can do either one. You can give via cash app or the text to give number. So here's how you do it. Here's how you give via, via the uh, cash app. You can give via The Epic Nation. You can type that in The Epic Nation. Make sure you add T-H-E, Epic Nation. You can give via cash app. Any amount, I would ask that we all give an offering today, that we give an offering. If this is not your church home, I would say give an offering, something that you give to God. Give something that matters to you. Whatever that number is, is up to you. If this is your church and it's your week to tithe, I thank you for for being a part of the Epic Nation and tithing to the Epic Nation. If it is not your week to tithe, I thank you in advance for all that you've already done, for your commitment, your connection, your prayers, your giving, your heart to be so selfless, to give to what God is doing. 
So I thank you to each of those. Now, what is the other way you can give beyond Cash App? You can text the word GIVE to 863-777-4514. 863-777-4514. Text the word GIVE to 863-777-4514, or you can do it via Cash App. Now, last but not least, I don't want to spend a long time on giving. Those that are going to give will give. That's just how life is. If this has been a blessing to you, how can you support this ministry? Tell someone about it. If this fed you, if this was something that you said, man, I really needed this. All we want to do is give give to more people the, this, this same thing that, that bless you. We want it to bless someone else as well. So I'm going to ask that you give us an opportunity to share us with someone else, someone that you know can benefit from this word, from this ministry. So, and if you're on here and you say, man, I, I, I've heard all I need to hear, saw all I need to see, this is my church. I would love to be your pastor. The Epic Nation would love to be your church. Every person that is here that is a partner would love to love you to be a part of the family. To, my, to, my, to every person that's already a partner, I'm honored to be your pastor. There's no greater joy in life than to serve you for the rest of my life. I'm always going to be prepared for you. I'm always going to pray for you. I'm always going to make sure that you have what you need spiritually, professionally, and socially. So text that number right there on the right-hand side if you want updates sent directly to your phone of things that we're doing, giveaways. I want everyone that can to be on that. So let's go ahead and text E-Nation to make sure that you're in the loop on updates, all right? So three things I told you already. Three things. If this is your church, we would love for you to be a partner. If you have, haven't already, would love for you to, would love for you to give to the Epic Nation to allow us to continue to improve each and everything that we're doing and continue to do ministry. I love y'all to life. I pray over you and I bless you. From the top of your head, I see you, E, a proud partner since day one. Let me let me pause. Who in here is a partner? Let roll call. Roll call if you're a partner of the Epic Nation. I got to pause. Wow. Christian, can you connect with, um, I see C Agape Ray. Can you connect with her? She wants to be a part of the ministry. Um, new Partners is next Saturday. So next Saturday at 12 o'clock is New Partners training class. We, we'll spend some time together and walk you through the whole vision and everything. We'd love to have you. We'll be honored to serve you. We'll be honored to serve you. All right. Let me pray a blessing over you. And if you're watching the replay of this, you can still get in on giving. You can still become a partner. You can still learn about all that we're doing to every person that is watching. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your people from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Give them what they need, Father. I thank you for meeting all their needs. I thank you for those who have said this is their church. God, I'm honored to serve each and every person that has made a decision to partner in those who will make the decision. Father, I bless every person that has given. I bless their seed now. I demand that heaven increases what they have invested. Father, they've released. out of the, They've released. They've released. They've released. So, Father, I pray over every gift to every person that is given. Do not let your word return void. So, Father, bless every seed. Every person, whether it was $5, $2, $10, $20, whatever it was, Father, they have sown into the word that you gave me. So when they sow into that word, what is the blessing attached to the message? 